Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, as we turn our attention to your word, I pray that you would send your spirit as you promised you would to help us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Recently, a couple went to marriage counseling. They were having trouble. After spending some time with the counselor, and sometimes together and sometimes separately, at the times when they were separate, each told the counselor that they weren't sure that the other loved them anymore, or at least not like they once did. The counselor had to dig in and try to get some information from them. But to summarize, uh, what the counselor learned is that things just weren't like they used to be. When they first got together years ago, they did all kinds of things together. They took drives. They talked a lot about their problems and their concerns. In fact, they talked a lot. And I'm just going to fast forward quite a bit because you don't want to hear all of that. But the bottom line was it, the counselor found out they didn't talk anymore. They re- No meaningful conversations. Now it's 15 years later, and there's two kids, and they're like other families that sit around the table texting and uh, doing anything but talking and communicating with one another. When the counselor said, well, why is it you don't think you spend the quality time together like you used to? Both responded at separate times, well, we've got very demanding jobs. The kids are very demanding. Uh, there's sports on TV. Uh, we got friends. We got computer time, reading, watching the news, and on and on and on. Well, the very end of the story is, the first thing the counselor said is, you need to start talking. And so they did. They had meaningful conversations where they listened to one another. And the good news is about this couple is they say now they're happier than they've ever been. And it came down to their communication and the time that they spent together. They really started listening to one another. The reason I mention that is what I want to tell you this morning is God wants to have that kind of relationship with you. Where you spend time with God, quality time, meaningful time, like two persons getting together who really care for one another. The most important part of that relationship with God is spending time, not superficial time, but real quality time. I'll make this statement today. Talking and listening and spending time with God is the most important thing you do each day. I used to think it was doing things for God teaching a Sunday school class or or passing out communion or cleaning up after a dinner or something like that. Those things are all important, but they're by no means worth sacrificing the most important thing you can do each day, which spend time with God. You see, we've said it before. Jason has mentioned this in a variety of ways many times, but we need to say this again today. Jesus is not offering the world a religion. He's offering each person a personal relationship with himself. Now, last week, Jason talked about some pitfalls of prayer, some of the things we got to watch out for when we pray, because we kind of redefined what prayer was originally intended to be. I'm going to confess to you, there's one thing that came to mind when he was preaching that sermon. He kind of alluded to this, but it struck me in a little bit different way. One of the things I struggle with is I can't keep up to the spiritual giants, and I actually get discouraged. 
What I mean is I'm kind of an all or nothing person. So if I can't do it all the way out, then I kind of tend to back away from that. In the Sunday school class a couple of weeks ago, I taught or mentioned in the class that James, the half-brother of Jesus, became a pillar in the church after Jesus ascended and went back to heaven. They said his knees were callous like a camel because he spent so many hours in prayer. And then I read about John Welsh. John Welsh believed that a day was wasted when seven or eight hours were not spent in prayer. And he would often wake up in the middle of the night to pray. Martin Luther, the founder or the father of the Protestant church, led the Reformation. He prayed every day, three hours a day, they say. And so when I read those things, I think, well, what's wrong with me? But then it dawned on me, as I was looking at the relationship I'm to have with Jesus, I also know some people, and I'm not saying anything. If you want to, if the Lord wants to talk to you and you want to talk to him three to five hours a day, that's fine. But I'm not going to let that discourage me. Because I also know some people that talk an hour, to men that talk an hour to their wife every day and they don't say anything. And I know some men that only can, they have five minutes a day, but the conversation is meaningful. And it's concern about one another and it's sharing things and they love one another. You see what I'm trying to get at? Quantity is not as important as quality in my opinion. But we have trouble with prayer and man has always. And one of the reasons we have trouble with prayer is because that's what Satan doesn't want you to do. One of the, if it's the most important thing you can do, then guess what Satan doesn't want you to do? And he'll do anything he can to fill up your day to distract you, to give you other things. So a day ends and you say, I don't think I talked to God one time today. And Satan likes that. Oswald Chambers wrote one of the most famous devotions of all time, and I'd like us to read a section of what he says in this. Chambers writes, Prayer is not a normal part of the life of the natural person. We hear it said that a person's life will suffer if he or she doesn't pray. I question that. What will suffer is the life of the Son of God in that person, which is nourished not by food, but by prayer. When a person is born again from above, the life of the Son of God is born in him, and they can either starve or nourish that life. Prayer is the way that the life of God in us is nourished. And he'll go on to say, furthermore, our ideas regarding prayer are not found in the New Testament. We look upon prayer simply as a means of getting things for ourselves. But the biblical purpose of prayer is that we may get to know God himself. The biblical purpose of prayer is that we get to know God himself. Think about it. The God who created the whole universe, the God that fills up the whole universe. God's like an ocean. If you're out in the middle of the ocean, everywhere you look, there's the ocean. That's the way God is. He's everywhere. He's not up there. He's everywhere. He fills up the ocean. He created everything, including our lives. And he wants to have a personal relationship with you. He wants you to get alone with him and have a conversation and experience in him. Recently, I read this, and this has hit me a little hard. If I struggle to spend time with God, the problem isn't a scheduling difficulty. It's a relationship problem. I have a problem loving God with all of my heart 
If I have trouble getting alone with God, it's not a scheduling problem. It is a relation problem. Now, here's my definition of prayer. I think I'm right on this, but, of course, I wouldn't tell you if I didn't think I was right. But here's how I define it to myself anyways. Prayer is not just talking to God about what I need, though that's part of what it is. We're to take all of our needs to God. Every hour we're to take our needs to God. But it's spending time focusing on God. It may involve talking. It may involve listening. Or it may involve just sitting there quietly and thinking about God and sensing his direction for my life and and sensing his presence. Sum it all up. Prayer to me is enjoying God. Now, let me ask you, be honest. You don't need to say this out loud, but be honest with yourself. Can you make that statement today? Do you enjoy God? You see, if you if you say, oh, boy, you know, I didn't look at it ever in that light, then we're talking about a relationship problem or something you can work on, right? The t- couple could work on their marriage. We can work on our relationship with God. Now, One of the reasons we think prayer is so important is because the Bible, God's Word, is full of it. For example, there's 650 prayers listed in the Bible. There's 450 recorded answers to prayer in the Bible. When did prayer first get started? Back in Genesis. If you want to consider the conversation, uh, Adam, where are you? I'm over here. I don't have any clothes on. Who told you you didn't have any clothes on? If you consider that conversation prayer, then I guess prayer, we first hear about it there. If not, certainly in another chapter, whenever it says, and at that time, people started calling upon the Lord. I think that's Genesis 4. The Bible records Jesus praying 25 different prayers. And remember, we just get a highlight. Most of our New Testament is about his last week. But yet, the Gospels are have 25 different prayers, and Paul in his letters to the churches mentions prayer 41 times. Now, one of the times that Jesus talks about prayer, it's found in Luke chapter 18. Jesus in 17, chapter 17, had been talking about the kingdom of God has come, but not like in its fullest sense, like it's going to. When I come back, I'm going to leave you, I'm coming back. So the disciples have to be wondering, how do we get along? How do we manage? How do we do what we're supposed to do? We followed you for the last three years. And we need to wonder the same thing, too, when we start understanding, once we become a Christian, what Jesus is calling upon us to do. He's calling upon us to live a radical life. You know, put yourself last, not first. Uh, forgive everyone that offends you even if you have to do it over and over and over and over again, to follow all the commands Jesus... Jason has been preaching. I got him all cringing now. (laughs) Jason has been preaching on listening to God, the commands of God. How do we follow those commands? Just how do we do the Christian life? The answer... At least one of the answers, it's in Luke 18, 1. So Jesus tells his disciple a parable, and the reason he's going to tell them the story that we're about to read is this. To show them you should always pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up. Now, people misunderstand, in my opinion, this parable. They think this is, you got to keep asking, keep asking, keep asking, 
And if you will eventually get an answer out of God, if he sees you're serious, you pray long enough. Jason talked about that last week. This is not, and we're going to see in a moment, this is not that you need to nag God long enough. In fact, the Apostle Paul had some kind of thorn in the flesh. Some believe it was very poor eyesight. Some believe that it was opposition by the Jewish people. Whatever it was, he said he prayed how many times to be taken away? Three. And then he quit praying about it. He assumed he got his answer from God. He's not saying, I prayed a million times. Okay, so it's not the number of times, but we're always in communication with God. Let's look at this parable. It's short. Jesus said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me or wear me down. And the Lord said, Jesus said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? A lot of people misunderstand this parable. They think it's a comparison that God is somehow like the judge and that we're somehow like the widow. This judge is nothing like God at all. It's a contrasting, not a comparison. He doesn't care about people, and he doesn't respect God. God is nothing like this judge. The widow, a widow back in that day would have lost her husband. Probably a true widow would have had no sons, and she would have been defenseless and helpless and probably struggling to make ends meet. And no one to defend if, if a neighbor stole some of her property. I don't know what the case was here, but if that's the case, she would have no one to come to her side. The only recourse she could go is keep running to the judge and begging and begging him to help her. We're not like the widow. God is not like the judge. God is kind and he's loving and he wants the best for all the people he created. God is good. And we're not helpless like the widow. We have God on our side. The God of the universe is on our side. Jesus proved that. He proved it at the cross. We are loved very, 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 very much. In fact, nobody loves you. Nobody comes close to loving you as much as God loves you. God will always be faithful in his love. But what's the question that Jesus asked at the end of this? That's not the question. Will God be faithful and love you and care about you and give you everything you need, including justice? The question is, when question is when I come back, he's saying, when I return back to the earth that I told you about, will I find people of faith? Will I find people in prayer and persisting to the end and never giving up and praying? And if we are faithful, you know what happens? Our faith spreads. And faith starts spreading out into our homes and into our community. 
So I want to take just a little time because I wish somebody would have done this for me once instead of just generically told me about prayer. I wished when I was a kid somebody would have explained and just gave me some samples of maybe how I could pray. Instead of me looking at the giant, spiritual giants, and thinking i got to pray three or four hours today, because maybe some of us aren't there. Some of you have amazing prayer lives. And just all I can say is pray for the rest of us while, while you're praying. But for those of us that would like to improve our prayer lives, what if we began the day with prayer? You know, we open up our eyes, we're laying in bed, and what if we said, good morning, Lord. Father, I'm going to need your help today, and I'm going to need your guidance today. I want to please you today. Help me to do that. And Lord, I think maybe Jesus, I know Jesus wants to love people, and maybe you'll give me an opportunity to let Jesus love somebody through me. So help me not to miss an opportunity if that happens today. Increase my trust in you. Lord, I look forward to spending time with you. Now, that's a long prayer, and you can make it shorter than that. The important thing is, is that... Instead of getting up and saying, I need money today, I need this and this, that's fine. You need to pray about those things. But wouldn't that be a good way to begin the morning? Or when you end the day, and by the way, I know from experience, you'll forget, if you're not doing any of this right now, you may forget to do this. Satan is going to do everything he can to keep you from doing what I'm suggesting. suggesting. You're going to get up the next day and thought, I was going to pray before I went to bed last night, and I totally forgot about it. I was so tired. What about when you're sitting on the side of your bed and you're ready to fling your feet up over? What if you said, Lord, thank you for today. I was blessed by you today and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for everything you gave me. Lord, I do admit I got upset today and I want you to forgive me for that because I know you want me to have peace and joy in my life, don't you, Father? Help me tomorrow to work on that, will you? Or maybe your prayer before you go to bed would be, Father in heaven, did I sin against you today? If I did, bring it to my mind right now. I want to take care of this. I don't want, I don't want anything between you and I. I look forward to a good night's sleep so I can meet you again tomorrow. Throughout the day, pray. Father, why am I thinking of what I'm thinking right now? Please take captive my thought. Protect me from the devil, Father. Or maybe you'll pray this throughout the day. Lord, obviously Mrs. Madison over there needs your love. Is there anything I can do to help her? You see, we, we need spiritual awakening. We need to, we need to come alive and be in tune with the God of the universe that sees everything and knew, knows everything. And if we ask him, he'll help us to do those things. And you know what ends up happening? We get our mind off ourselves. And we get our mind onto the things that are really important to God. Not that we're not important to Him. But He's asked many people to lay down their life to promote His cause and His glory. Read the Bible. And I don't mean sit down and read ten chapters of Leviticus every day. Okay? But read a little bit every day. Just so till the Lord has a chance to speak with you. I was reading Galatians 6. And I just was reading a paragraph, and I came to verse 3 that says, if anyone thinks they are something when they're not, they deceive themselves. And so I stop there and I say, Lord, examine my heart. Do, my, do, my, do I got pride in my life? Do I think I'm more something than I'm really not? I know you love humility. Am I? Do I have that in my life, or do I have pride? Am I puffing myself up? 
And so I don't have to go very far in Scripture to find something to pray about. Scripture is full of all kinds of things that's relevant to me. All right, here's a challenge, church. We, Jason mentioned it last week. We are going to dedicate May to a spiritual awakening, no matter where you're at, for all of us to come really alive and ded- focus on prayer, getting close to God, so we are spiritually awake in our own lives and the lives of our church, and then it spills out in the community. So we are going to have, and if you put the next slide up, you can't read that, but this looks what we're asking you to do. It takes five minutes at the most. It's That's day six, I think I copied up there. It, you can't read it, but it says character matters, and there's a couple paragraphs you can read. But at the way down at the bottom, that little thing down at the bottom says prayer points. Can you bring up the next one then? Now, you, that's fuzzy too because I blew it up. But here's what the first point says. So on day six, if you would accept this challenge, it says, pray that the Lord will reveal inconsistencies with your walk and your talk. In other words, you pray to God and say, God, am I acting like Jesus wants me to act? Am I talking like he wants me to talk? You can pray for all the things you've been praying about. But let's add these kind of spiritual things to our conversations with the Lord. Because it's what's in his will. Ask the Lord to renew and empower your prayer life through cleansing, repentance, and holiness. There's 30 of them. So the first 30 days of May, you're done when you get to May 31st. If you would do this, and I have been praying all week that everybody will say yes to this throughout the whole church. Just to give five minutes a day because I think it will change you. I think it will change us. And I think it will have an impact on the community in the end. It's it's called a spiritual awakening. Well, how do you get these? One is if you're on the prayer net at the church, Brianna, I, if she's well by then, I, I think she'll, I think she's been working on how to send it out to the prayer net automatically without her having to do any work in the middle of the night. So day one would come out. When you wake up May 1st, you'll have day one. So everybody that's on the prayer net's going to get this. Day two, you'll get the second day. Then on her website on Facebook, she'll have links posted where you can get the whole thing as a PDF file. Also, we have hard copies. Debbie has run 15 of them or something so far. They look like this, called Awaken on the front, and all 30 is inside of this. So if you want the hard copy, call up the office or stop it and say, Debbie, she might have one for you right then. If not, she'll get one for you within a day. We're going to start this May 1st, which is a week from Tuesday. So pray that the Lord would use this time and that you would be willing to do it. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for me. I'm praying for us. You see, I think prayer is really important, and I just want to mention a few things of why I think it's this important and some of the benefits. Why pray? Well, I think one of the biggest reasons is, if not the biggest, it makes God happy when you do. That's why he created you, to have this kind of loving relationship. It allows, if I get quiet before God, I don't just go talk. If you just go talk and give, and give him your wish list and run away, then we don't give him opportunity to speak to us. But the kind of prayer I'm talking about is where you ask God questions. God, what do you think about that? What should have I have done there? If you go into, into a conversation with God with that kind of attitude, God will speak to you. And especially if you have your Bible open beside you and you read just a couple verses, he'll bring something to mind. 
When I'm in prayer, I found that God gets to demonstrate his love to us. And one of the things I'm ashamed to say, I used to, when I did something that I knew I shouldn't have done, then I wouldn't go to prayer because as if I could hide from God. I didn't want God to have to talk about that thing I didn't want to talk about. I've learned long, well, I don't know if it's long ago, but some time ago, that's the time to go to prayer because God will quickly take care of it and say, do you want to recommit yourself to doing better? Yep. Okay, then you're forgiven. Let's go. And it's the end of it. Yeah, we confess our sins to God, but he's quick to forgive because he loves you that much. Prayer is just a way to know God more and more. The more time you spend in prayer, the more you'll know God. And everybody's wondering, well, how do I know God wants me to do this or that? Spend time in prayer. And guess what you get to learn? You get to learn his voice. You get to say, that voice whispering in my ear, that's not me anymore. That's God talking to me. Now, there's a variety of things you'll need to do. Does it line up with the Bible? Do other Christians believe that's the same thing? You know, you need to test what you think God's saying to you. You need to test it with Scripture, and if you're not sure, you come in and see the pastor or talk to some people if you need to, or a circle of friends. What do you think? I think the Lord is telling me to go to Alaska and uh, be a salmon fisher or something. Well, you run it by other people. There's something that prayer shows when we do prayer. It shows that we're devoted to him. Can you bring up the next screen? It shows that we need God. God wants to know that you, he wants to know that you need him. When we don't go to God, one of the messages we send to him is, I don't need him unless things really get bad, then I'll go talk to him. As we said here a week ago at 911, everybody in America needed God. But then a day later they decided we didn't need him anymore and prayer quit. When I get together with God, it shows that I want his will to be done, not just in earth, as it is in heaven, but in my life and in the life of my family. When I go to God in prayer and spend time with him, it shows I'm really, really looking forward to being with him someday in person. Right now we can't see him. It's by faith we come and talk to God. But there's a time coming when we'll see him face to face. And so when we come in faith right now, it shows I'm looking forward to that time when I'll see my Savior face to face. When I pray, I learn to forgive. I learn to be grateful for things because I'll sit with God and think, oh, yeah. And by the way, you're really something. I looked out at that scene, scene today, maybe a sun setting or something, and just thought of how unbelievably talented and creative you are, God. Or, God, I have this in my life. Though I'm going through some real struggles now, I've got a lot to be grateful for, too. God will point those things out and remind us. That even no matter what we're going through, we have lots to always be thankful to. I learn about my sins when I spend time in prayer. I here's one, here's a good one. I get good directions and guidance to live each day. You can be as old as me in the middle sixties and still need lots of help in how to live your life. God is still there every day to help us to do that. When I go to God, I ended up I end up getting filled with His Spirit. Now what? I've heard that before. What's getting filled with the Spirit means? It means being controlled by God more and more. God controls my life. His thoughts become my thoughts. And so we say we're Spirit-filled. 
When I get alone with God, I end up getting peace and joy in my life, and that's what Jesus wants me to have, is peace and joy in my life. Listen, one of the things we got to put up the fight against Satan is, is we need to protect our relationship with God. We need to do whatever we can. I'm urging us right now, I'm urging us to dig in and saying, I am protecting my relationship with God, no matter what I go through. Sarah Ansley, her story is remarkable to me. You might have heard it before, but she was the 25th out of 25 children. Her parents had 25 kids. And then she married Samuel Wesley. And Susanna, though she had her mother had 25 kids, she only had 19. Two of those is, I had to look at that four times. I couldn't believe that. I had to go to another source to say this can't be accurate. I didn't trust Wikipedia on that one. John and Charles were two of her sons, and they founded the Methodist Church. I love the story about her protecting her relationship with God. She had 19 children, yet she managed to put God first. When she needed to spend time alone with God, there was no place in the house where there weren't kids. So she would sit down in the chair in the kitchen and pour her apron up over her head and prayed to God in her own quiet little sanctuary. She must have been familiar with Matthew 6.33, which says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. For God is faithful to provide for our needs when we seek him above all else. So in the middle of any challenges that we go through, we need to find a way to keep our personal relationship with God first. And this is true no matter where you are in life. No matter how stressful life gets, find a sanctuary. Find just a few moments of quietness. When you go through difficult times, if you are in communication, in contact, in communion with the source of strength, you can make all the difference, and you can count on that difference. As I head to the close of this, I just want to say again, it's my humble opinion that if we were to have a church of people who were having a very, very close relationship with the Lord, we might become a church that would change this community and impact eternity in a mighty way. It doesn't begin by doing things. It begins with our relationship with Christ. This is not a religion. It's a relationship. It begins by sitting quietly before the Lord, talking to the Lord, Just like the husband and wife I painted a picture of, we're sharing our concerns and burdens, but we're listening back too. And we're giving God some real quality time. So I am praying that you have a very close and loving relationship with our Father, with His Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now listen, if you don't have any idea what I'm talking about a relationship, if you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, the Lord's Son, you know what you got to do to do that? Just say right now, I'm going to start doing that. I want that. Jesus died on the cross to offer this kind of relationship to you. So you can start today. I will tell you this from my own personal experience. There's nothing like it, and the reward is the biggest and the best reward there possibly can be.
Now, this kind of relationship, it's not up to Jesus. Jesus has decided long ago that's what he wants. He wants to have that relationship with you. It's up to you.